You may think we're talking football to Sledgehammer reference, but uh, as we bring you in to another edition of A Few Extra Bucks, your Bucks podcast here on pewterpires.com, nothing I've seen since we've been doing this podcast got Roy Cummings more excited than the thought of Peter Gabriel being better than Elton John. So I thought we'd kind of get you fired up from the get-go, Roy. Yeah, that's a nice little right cross you tried to throw there. Well, let me tell you something, pal. Here comes the uppercut to your chin. Uh, last night, uh, in the semifinal round, I guess you would call it, of American Idol, the song, it was Elton John night. It wasn't <laughs> Peter Gabriel uh-huh. night. It was Elton John night. And uh, let me tell you, they only deal with you know the greatest artists there, okay? So it was Elton John night. Uh, you know, it was Queen night a couple weeks ago. Elton John night, they've had Paul McCartney night, Beatles night, that kind of thing. I don't remember any Peter Gabriel night. So there's that. Uh, there, there's an uppercut to your chin, my friend. Well, well, I think we have a counterpunch from our producer, Justin Thomas, though. I was going to say, uh, millions of people apparently know something that Roy doesn't, because according to Wikipedia, that Sledgehammer music video is the most watched music video on MTV of all time. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Well, you know what? That's that's why I got so sick of seeing it, because I, I think I mean, like every 12 minutes on MTV for like 12 years, maybe. I got sick of looking at that stupid claymation thing they did. That's an excellent music video. I don't know how you can hate that, it's even if awful. you don't like the song. The song's awful. The claymation's awful. It's it, it, <laughs> just it's amateur hour with that thing, man. Well, that's what we bring to here on a few extra bucks. A little debate. It could be pop culture. You know, we're going to talk a lot with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know it's May. Rookie camp just finished up. We're going to talk to the rookies. But, boy, the JPP injury. You got the Gerald McCoy drama. You have the unfortunate case of Kendall Beckwith. We're going to get to all of that. But let's start with the rookies. Uh, anything stick out for you in this rookie camp, Roy Cummings? Um, I'm just glad that everybody was healthy uh, coming out of it. The, the worst thing you want in a, in a rookie minicamp is to see a rookie go down. It's happened before. Um, but, no, you, you really can't get much out of it. And, you know, this is one of the things people, they get excited about, you know, getting to see the rookies. But it's really kind of an orientation. This is what a lot of fans don't realize is rookie minicamp. Um, I mean, they, they did two days of workouts, and, and Bruce Arians, you know, canceled the third day. Uh, I think it was planned to be canceled anyway because he said, oh, these guys did a great job. We're not even going to have a, a third day of workouts here. Uh, and, and one of the reasons for that is you just don't want to test anything. I mean, these guys, they just want to get them a, get them a, give them a chance, get out there, you know, run around a little bit, see what, the, see what they look like as football players. They're not in pads in any way. Um, it's very hard to, to get any kind of a read on who's, you know, looking good or playing well or, or anything like that because they don't know the system at all. Um, really, it's all about trying to get them to uh, figure out, well, this is how we're going to practice. This is what a day uh, during the regular season will be like. We'll have a day, you know, we'll start with meetings, we'll do this, we go to practice. But So it's hard to really get anything out of it. But, you know, I mean, you had a couple of guys that, that stepped up and, uh, and, and looked good. Uh, you know, one guy in particular who seemed to always be in the backfield, I guess, was um, this kid, uh, David Kenny, outside linebacker, uh, out of Indiana, one of the kids that they brought in on a tryout basis really earned himself a uh, another look. We'll see if he can keep doing it. Um, you know, when they get to the uh, uh, the OTAs and the mini camps that are left uh, in the off season program. But um, other than that, uh, I thought Sean Bunting uh, for a guy who's taken a lot of uh, criticism, been criticized a lot. The pick's been criticized a lot. He he showed that he can play some football. So uh, 
Uh, versatile kid as well, can play in the slot, can play uh, possibly safety if necessary, certainly get outside. So uh, as a cornerback, uh, he's starting to look pretty good. Um, and you know what? Hey, the, the, the kicker made most of his kicks. Yeah, but it's May Roy, unfortunately. Right. So it really doesn't matter. Right. You know, the guy that kind of intrigues me is this Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, I covered the Bucks and the Saints, and Taysom Hill was such a phenomenon in New Orleans last year, kind of throwing the deep ball, uh, you know, playing special teams, you know, playing wide receiver. Nick Fitzgerald is a quarterback who, uh, entering his senior year at Mississippi State, you know, had a lot of attention, didn't really play, I think, had the senior year that he wanted to. Of course, Dan Mullen wasn't there. But Bruce Arians is saying, you know what, if he can make this team, could be a kind of a Taysom Hill-type player potentially for the Bucks. Yeah, I like that idea because, um, you know, look, it's a copycat league. You find a guy who can do two or three different things for you, help you out in a lot of different ways. Uh, if he's one of your best football players, you want him on your roster. Um, it doesn't have to be a quarterback necessarily, but you know what? There's, there's a couple of trick plays you can run with a guy like that. He can, you know, he can run the ball for you. He can, uh, you know, jump out there and play a little wide receiver. Shoot, who knows? You could probably even, you know, play, play a little cornerback for you or, or, or safety in a, in a situation, a Hail Mary type situation. You get a, get a hands team out there. You want them to, uh, you know, maybe uh, recover an onside kick. A lot of things that your best athletes can do for you. Um, there's a lot of ways to make a football team, uh, a lot of ways you can use guys who have a lot of versatility. He's one of those guys. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if he makes the team. They, they seem to like him a lot. All right, let's get back to the rookies in a second. We're going to have sound from uh, Sean Murphy Bunning, who you talked about, and Devin White. But let's talk about the hot-button issues with the Bucks right now. And first and foremost is JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, the neck injury, the first report said he is going to be out for the year, and now it looks like he's going to play, but it's going to be maybe late. Here's what Bruce Arians had to say. It's still ongoing, and, and like Jason said, you know, we've got our fingers crossed and praying for him. Very unfortunate. And... Uh, all we can do is just pray and, and hope for the best and, and hope it's one of those five or six month things and, uh, and go from there. You know, Roy, the Bucks is just unbelievable. It seems like it's two steps forward, three steps back, however you want to say it. But besides Jameis Winston, the one guy they really couldn't lose was JPP. Yeah, you're right. Um, it, it really is a kick in the teeth for this football team and the timing of it is horrible. Um, that's maybe the, well, it's not the worst thing about it because the worst thing about it is that the player is hurt. Uh, his career is in jeopardy. Certainly a season's in jeopardy. I would say his career may be in jeopardy as well um, going forward uh, at a critical position. You know, if it happens a week before the draft instead of a week after the draft, well, guess what? Um, you know, you, you maybe change your pick. Maybe you get something different than an inside linebacker at the number five overall spot. Um, that would have made a lot of fans happy, but you know, it just, it just, it's just horrible luck. And, um, you know, it's, it's a bad way to start things, but you know what? The Bucks have uh, bounced back, uh, before from things like this and, uh, found guys and Bruce Arians was talking about that over the weekend, you know, the, the, he's, you know, his time with the Cardinals and, and with the, uh, and with the Colts, he's, he's had situations come up where, you know, all of a sudden at the last minute. Uh, you pick up a Dwight Freeney or somebody like that. Um, you know, you can find guys at the at the end of the uh, uh, training camp, uh, beginning of the season that can fit your roster and 
and help you out. The, every team does it. So before we worry too much about the impact of the loss of JPP, um, who's from the latest reports, it, it looks like he's going to skip the surgery, uh, try to let this thing heal naturally. That's a five to six month situation. Maybe he's around for the last month. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the Bucks want to handle this. You know, the salary cap situation is going to uh, have an impact on what they want him to do and how they, uh, you know, how they categorize him, what they do with him, what, what, you know, lists they put him on, so to speak. But before we get too worried about it, let's wait and see, you know, what happens the rest of the, uh, the off season here. And before, you know, you get into game one of the regular season, I, there's still three, four months of that to happen. A lot of things can happen. A lot of guys can develop. And, uh, you know, again, one thing, this is where you should be pretty happy that, uh, that Jason Light has had the ability to pick a couple of guys off other rosters at times and, uh, you know, find kind of diamonds in the rough and pull some guys in that uh, turn out to be pretty good football players at different positions. So um, if he could do that at defensive end, it could help this team a little bit. I don't want to hear this, uh, all this should have drafted Josh Allen. You know what? I mean, nobody can predict the car wreck. and, And frankly, I think Devin White was still the right pick there but I, I just I get a kick out of these uh, message boards and these fans and even media types who say stuff like that it, it, to me uh, you can't blame the Bucks for that they were married to Devin White you know if JPP I think even if he would have been a car wreck you know what Roy I still think they would have picked Devin White they may have drafted more defensive linemen in the second round I still think they would have picked Devin White um, it wouldn't have surprised me no because that's obviously the player they liked they, they there was I mean look Bruce Arians said it, and there's everything I know about Bruce Arians and, you know, hearing from other guys who've covered him for years is he's not going to lie to you. He's a straight shooter. And when he says that Devin White was the guy that we decided on two months ago, I believe it. I honestly believe it. So I think you're right. I don't know that they would have taken Josh Allen. Um, you know, maybe they would have traded up back into the first round to get a couple of guys uh, or shot at a couple of guys, I should say. Um, I think there's an opportunity, you know, it could have been an opportunity for that to happen. But at the end of the day, um, again, it, it's a loss. It's a tough loss. But let's see how this plays out. You know, the, the Buccaneers did draft a defensive end. Um, it was late, but let's see what the kid's got. He's going to get an opportunity to prove himself right off the bat. Uh, it was a pretty good defensive end at uh, University of Iowa. Let's see what this kid's got. All right, now on to your man, Gerald McCoy. You and I, uh, you know, we disagree on a few things. I think we disagree on Gerald McCoy more than anything in this podcast. I think a guy like Gerald McCoy, who has built his name on being a leader in the locker room, being a great man in the community, I've been around a lot of players like that, and I don't see any of them doing what he did on Instagram. It's time for Gerald McCoy to go, in my opinion, even with JPP. I just feel like, uh, you know, it's it's reached the point of no return. And I was disappointed with the Instagram post, frankly, by Gerald McCoy. Gerald, you don't have to prove yourself to the fans in that kind of form. If you have a problem with Arians or any of these coaches staff or Jason Light, I think you handled that in-house. I just didn't think it was very becoming of a guy of his stature. You wouldn't see uh, Derek Brooks do that or Ronnie Barber or John Lynch. I just think he's better than that. And but Maybe he's not, Roy, but I was disappointed by that. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in it too. Um, look, I'm I'm a big believer in Gerald McCoy. Um, I think he's one of the best players that's ever worn the uniform for the Buccaneers. Uh, I think at the end of the day, he'll be in the Ring of Honor. Uh, I think he's earned it because uh, only only two defensive players have ever had more than six uh, uh, Pro Bowl appearances. 
their names are Brooks and Sapp. So, um, you know, you take that for what it's worth. But at the end of the day, I, here's the thing about Gerald McCoy. He's a very thin-skinned guy, always has been. Yep. Um, unfortunately, that's unfortunate. I mean, yep. I think he should be a little bit tougher, uh, have a little bit tougher skin on this kind of thing, but he doesn't. I mean, Roy, is he, is he talking to Bruce Arians here? Is he talking to Jason Light? Or is he talking to Joey on Twitter who has three followers? I mean, I'm yeah, confused. Right, exactly. And that's why he should be above this. But, you know, he, he is he's very concerned about what people think of him. And, look, if this motivates him, that, that maybe that's a good thing. And, you know, I still don't know that all that's going on with Gerald McCoy from the Buccaneers' standpoint is not some kind of a motivational tactic. Um, you know, maybe to get him to play with just a little bit more edge uh, to him, you know, maybe that's what this is all about. I, I hope it is. Um, but because at the end of the day, I still think he's going to be a Buccaneer. I mean, I've thought that for a long time. I thought that before the JPP situation. Uh, and because I, I say that because look, this is a team that needs the best 53 players out of the 91 that they've got on the roster. And I'm sorry, but he's one of the best 53 he is clearly the best under tackle, uh, three technique, whatever you want to call him, on this roster. So I wouldn't get rid of him. I really wouldn't. And um, I just think that you know Gerald has a has a he's just got this he's got this fight in him when people take him on and, and question his integrity and question his work ethic and question his uh, his ability. And um, he should be above it. I agree, but he's not. And uh, so I'm I'm not surprised that Gerald re- responded this way. I'm disappointed that he did, but um, now I want to see him back it up. Well, I think he's gone. I don't think he plays again for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I, you know, I think the best case scenario for the Bucs is they can deal him and get something for him at this point. But you wonder if they were this unhappy with him, why they didn't play their cards better this offseason. So to me, it's just one big Gerald McCoy mess right now. But I don't think he returns. That's my opinion. Let's get to the more bad news for the Bucks defense. Is boy, and I really feel for this player because I I like covering him, and he had such a great rookie year as Kendall Beckwith. Of course, he was in the car accident. It looked like he may come back last season. I remember talking to him in the locker room. He said, "Boy, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm getting antsy. I feel like I'm ready." And he never saw it. And now it looks like his career is over. Here's what Bruce Arians said about Kendall Beckwith's future. For Kendall, you know, he was a bright prospect, and uh, and just unfortunate. And uh, you, you have to move on. And, uh, you know, it's, it's early for me. I was never really counting on, on him coming back. I was hoping. But, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons Devin's here. There's Devin White reference once again. It's unbelievable, Roy. This this Bucks defense, what has happened to them in the past year. Uh, and really, you know, we talked about JPP. We talked about Gerald McCoy. I mean, let's think about this. A year ago, if somebody would have told you, you're not going to have JPP. You're not going to have Gerald McCoy. You're not going to have Kendall Beckwith. I mean, those are three major parts, Roy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and you're not going to have Quan Alexander. So, you know, where, yeah. where do you think you're going to be? Yeah. Um, you think you're going to be in trouble is what you think. And and the Buccaneers look like they're in trouble. But you know what? I thought there was some good news in what Bruce Arians said. Um, and I understand his point, too. Uh, look, you would like to have Kendall Beckwith around because – He's a player at a stage in his career where he's still developing, and um, and you want he needs that development. Uh, but the fact that this is a team that didn't count on Kendall Beckwith, I think that that evens to me that that evens the playing field here. As he said, that's one of the reasons Devin White is here. It's probably one of the reasons Dion Buchanan is here. 
Um, my guess is that as soon as Bruce Arians came in and got an evaluation of the team and asked, okay, where are we with everybody? He went through it and said, all right, can't count on this guy. And he pointed to Kendall Beckwith. We got to make a move. We got to get somebody in, you know, we can't expect this guy to come in and, and save us. So we've got to make moves to, to make sure that, we, that position is filled. And they did. And so I actually feel better about that situation having heard from uh, Bruce Arians over the weekend. So, um, yeah, it's tough that you lose a player, but again, he was a developmental player. Yes, he shined at times, um, but someone else can shine as well. So uh, I, I think it's good news that the Bucks actually weren't weren't counting on him uh, the way they were JPP because there's no doubt they were counting on JPP. Still a bad story for the Bucks though, because Beckwith after his rookie season, I mean that that's a guy who had a bad knee injury his senior year at LSU and was still able to come back and be ready for training camp and contribute and start his rookie year. So that's just a sad story all around for the Bucks and Kendall. All right, well, let's transition to the rookies. We told you we'd hear from Devin White. Uh, the first news with Devin White is he can't wear Mike Allstott's number 40. He's going to transition to 45, and it seemed like uh, he had no problem with that. I, I'm not a person that want to step in the way of somebody else's legacy. You know, even though 40 mean the world to me, but at the end of the day, it's not about the number that's going to make me go go out and get tackles and sacks and make big plays. It's about me that's going to do that. And, you know, I just like if I stay in the 40 range, you know, that'll be cool. This kid's contagious. Uh, I love everything he says, and you can almost see or hear the conversations the Bucks had. Well, Mike Allstott's number 40. You know, you can't have that number. And you can almost hear him say, okay. You know, he wasn't happy about it. He wanted number 40, but it just shows you the kind of attitude this kid has. And even when he's talking about a number, you get kind of motivated around this guy. Yeah, you do. Um, I'll tell you what, he, he is a guy, and I said this when they drafted him, uh, I think Bucks fans, as soon as they kind of get their head on who's here as opposed to who's not here, uh, which I would suggest doing immediately, stop worrying about – stop thinking about who's not here and, and start – concentrating on who is here, you're going to fall in love with Devin White because he is everything you want in a quarterback for your defense. Look, we love Quan Alexander. He had all those skills too, but imagine Quan Alexander only better because that's what Devin White is. He's Quan yeah. Alexander in every way that we loved Quan Alexander. He's got the attitude. He's got that. He brings the heat on the field, um, but he's got, he's actually better of a foot, a better football player. So He's, he's more versatile. He's a little bit smarter football player, I think. So um, I, I think Quan Alexander was headed to the Pro Bowl. I honestly do. Uh, I, I think Devin White's going to be an all-pro. I mean, I've, I've seen – and I'm not ready to go here. I've seen some people say he's going to be a Hall of Famer. That, that's a little ridiculous. But uh, let's see if he can make the roster first. But um, I don't think that's going to be a problem, making the roster. I don't think it's going to be a problem for him making an impact. I don't think it's going to be a problem for him making an immediate impact. And I think it's—I don't think it's going to be a problem with the the Buccaneers fans falling in love with this guy, and half of them that are now, you know, uh, still kind of uh, bemoaning the whole situation of bringing him on instead of Josh Allen or someone else are going to say, you know what, it was the right pick. Still, we, would love to have a defensive end, but at the end of the day, this guy, this guy is going to kind of set the tone for this defense, and that's what you want out of that player. Well, something else they like is that he can rush the passer, and that's something that Devin White talked about in this rookie minicamp for the Bucks. 
Back in college, you know, I know I don't have no stats right now, but I, I rushed the passer pretty well. You know, I led all inside linebackers and pressures like two years in a row. You know, I was competing with the edge rushers because I always, you know, I'm a, I feel like I was a game changer player and I wanted to affect the game any way I can. And, you know, whether it's just a true rush, a late rush, I'm going to give my all for the team. And if I can affect the quarterback and they ask me to, I'm going to try to do it to the best of my ability. Well, they're going to need him. They got to have it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're right. But, but you know, look, again, and we went through this after they made the pick. Let's not forget. And again, I, I, I continue to say focus on what you have. This is my advice to Buccaneers fans for the rest of the offseason. Focus on what's here, not on what's not here. What's not Part of what's not here anymore is the old 4-3 zone scheme that the Bucs used to play, that they played forever. Okay? That's not here anymore. They're going to a 3-4 man press scheme, and they're going to attack the middle of the line of scrimmage. With They're going to attack that double-A gap now with Levante David and Devin White. And let me tell you something. I can tell you right now, your boys in, in New Orleans and the guys in Atlanta and the guys in Carolina, they're a little nervous about that because they know – that Devin White playing downhill, now bringing, you know, it's going to be like Batman and Robin, man. I'm telling you, these guys attacking the middle of the line of scrimmage are going to bring some heat, and it is going to be problematic. Now, the bad news is you, somebody's gone on the on the right edge, our right, the Buccaneers' right edge, to, to you know, that escape route now has to be filled again, okay? That escape route was, was pretty well taken care of when you thought JPP was going to be here. But you know what? Just, just pointing out a couple of facts here. You know what the Bucks were in 2017, the year before JPP came? Mm. Their record was 5-11. and 11. You know what they were last year with JPP getting 12 sacks, first player in a decade or more to have more than 10 sacks? They were 5-11. and 11. You could be 5-11 wow. and 11 with JP and without JPP. So let's get off the JPP thing as if this guy was the, the answer to uh, this team being, uh, uh, you know, respectable and, and even, uh, you know, playoff caliber, which they're not yet. So uh, let's just uh, stop worrying about JPP not being here. Start concentrating on what is here. What is here is some pretty good heat coming up the middle. Well, what they do need is a better secondary. That was definitely the Achilles heel of this defense last season. And one guy I think who has to feel good about his future is Sean Murphy Bunning. I mean, he comes in drafted by the new regime and knowing that last year they invested a lot in defensive backs, but he's kind of their guy. He talked about his rookie camp debut this week. It's a big challenge to live up to as a rookie. It's a big challenge to live up as, as a vet, you know, because those guys have been doing it for, for a while now. Um, but, but at the end of the day, it's football, and um, you just have to outwork your, your opponent, you know, outwork everybody that you're going against, outwork everyone you're with. Um, and at the end of the day, everything's going to work out the way you want it to if you, if you buy into the programs and, and buy into kind of what you're doing. He seems like a very confident kid, and he's going to have to be. And I also thought it was interesting, kind of a telltale sign of this coaching staff. Kevin Ross is the secondary coach, and Sean Murphy Bunning talked about how Kevin Ross, who has just met Sean Murphy Bunning, obviously he's only been on the team for, I don't know, less than a month now. Listen how the coach has gotten on the player entering the rookie camp. He called me every single day after the draft and just talked football. He's called me at 6 a.m., 6.30, asking me questions about the playbook. Um, and making sure I was on top of my game early on before because he told me the way I'm coming in, you got to come in ready to compete. You can't be complacent. You can't think that you made it and you can't, you, you can't kind of get that mentality that you, you, you don't have to work hard.
like everything I'm hearing from him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who's kind of versatile along with that Mike Edwards. And uh, I know those are two draft picks under the Arians kind of Todd Bowles regime right now because, you know, they were uh, very influential in that draft room. But uh, you know, how, how do you feel if you're a Sean Murphy Bunning? You know, last year, the, you know, MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis were drafted. You know, they picked up the fifth-year option for Vernon Hargraves. But I got to feel like, you know, I'm kind of their guy a little bit. Do you think that way if you're him a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Look, he, Sean, Sean Murphy Bunning's not an idiot. I mean, he knows exactly what the fans are saying. The fans wish they had Greedy Williams here, maybe a couple of other different guys. Uh, he knows that he's being uh, somewhat overlooked by, overlooked by the fans, um, that they think someone else should have come in. But he also knows what the Buccaneers' plans are for him now. And the Buccaneers' plans for him are to be a little bit versatile. Uh, as I said before, uh, you know, he, he showed it over the weekend, playing a little bit of outside corner, playing a little bit of inside corner, you know, playing nickel, playing a slot corner spot. Um, this guy's going to spend some time probably working with Rondé Barber over the course of the offseason uh, to learn that nickel spot, spot and, and figure some things out there. So uh, he's a very versatile player, could even play some safety. This is a guy that I think they want to have close to the line of scrimmage uh, and down in the box if possible. So Look for him to play a little bit of slot corner. And, again, some people would would question picking a slot corner, quote-unquote, in, you know, in the second round. But this is a guy who can play three different positions. He can play the slot corner, outside corner, and safety. That's value. And uh, so that's what they're expecting out of this guy. Um, they, like his, they like everything about him physically. He's, he's physically – um, fit uh, fit in a way that he can he can do that verse you know give you that versatility play those different roles and that's where his value really comes in so uh, I, I think the, again this is a guy who I think as time goes on people are going to understand more and more why he's here and why other guys aren't all right well we touched on rookie camp we touched on JPP Gerald McCoy all the hot button topics but we're not done because Justin you know what time it is More likely, baby. More likely three hypotheticals surrounding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than we always end with a little pop culture. We'll give you a little sneak preview of that with the Peter Gabriel sound at the beginning. We'll get back to him in the in a minute. But uh, our first more likely, we're going to have Justin go first because he cheats off Roy's paper all the time. Vegas has the odds on wins for each football team in the NFL. And they say the Buccaneers are going to win six and a half games, something around somewhere around there, between six and seven. Uh, more likely above six and a half or below six and a half, Justin? Oh, I hate these kind of questions. Um, Why well, don't tell you? <laughs> I, I'm going to say below six and a half. I'm going to say six games they win this year. They improve after on one game. Roy Cummings. You know, I'm usually – Quite the optimist. I am certainly a glass half full kind of person. Um, had you asked me this question two weeks ago, uh, my answer would have been, uh, I'll take the over. I would have had him winning seven, maybe even eight games. And I, I, might, I might actually be, you know, being a little bit hypocritical here because since the loss of JPP, I've dropped that number to five. Oof. Um, uh, look, I just, I just, I just don't. I just look. It's going to be hard to replace that guy. Well, I see your point, though. You can't just rely on his sack total, but 
if the secondary is improved and if the linebackers get a big jolt from Devin White, you need JPP. I mean, he's <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, yeah. You, you you need that piece, and 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 I just think that I think that loss is is, is devastating to these guys. Um, the fact that Kendall Beckwith's not there as a you know as a uh, kind of a depth piece that hurts a little bit. Um, I just, uh, you know, I think I would take five. I'm taking the under here, and I'll, I'll pick five as the number. You know, I want to go all contrarian on you guys, but I can't because I look at this Bucks team. I think there's still holes on the offensive line. I think they need more running backs. I can't believe they didn't, you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't trust Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber. I just am not buying into that either. And then defensively, we've broken down and what a mess and so many holes on defense. So, And then you have Jameis Winston. So I, I just feel like there's so many question marks. And then you look at the rest of the division. I think the Falcons are going to be a lot better. I think the Saints will still be good. Carolina's kind of that wild card, though. If Cam Newton doesn't play, um, that can maybe open some things up for the Bucks. And here's the other thing, Roy, with the five wins, because I kind of agree with you on five wins again. The schedule's brutal. It's absolutely brutal for the Bucks, and it's unfair how bad it is. Yeah, it is a tough schedule, and we all know that that seven-week uh, stretch where they don't have a home game uh, because they gave the one up to Carolina to go to London. That doesn't help. Um, I mean, what is it, 30,000 miles they're going to travel, I think, in that seven-week uh, period alone? That's crazy. I mean, that's just crazy. I've never seen anything like I've never heard anything like that. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, I just – it's a problem. I think it's a big problem for these guys. And uh, all that time away. Now, the good news is they come home at some point and uh, they spend a lot of time at home. But at the end of the day, I think that seven weeks is going to be really tough for a young football team. Now, here's what Bruce Arians can do, though. If they win a couple good games early, he can really motivate this team during this road stretch. Let's see if they reel off a couple early. That could be a good rallying cry for this team. But, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, as much as we love that guy and, and everything he represents – you got to have talent in the football field to do that, and that's what we question, no doubt about it. So I say five wins as well. All right, more likely number two, Mike Florio of uh, Pro. What is it? Pro. What is he? Football what is he right? talk. Pro Football Talk. Thank you. Um, he had a guest on, and they were speculating about the Bucks and where will Jameis Winston be a year from now, and. The guest said he thinks he'll be a Miami Dolphin, and Mike Florio thinks he'll be a backup for the Chicago Bears in a year. So my question is, Justin Thomas, where do you think Jameis Winston will be this time next year? Well, that would be great if he was back, or not back, but with the Dolphins, back with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would be. Yeah, the- Josh Rosen down there, too. That's the problem. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, who were the options? Dolphins, who else? No, no, you could say whatever you want. Oh, you could say Buck. You could say, yeah, where do you think Jameis Winston will be a year from now? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. If Winston has another down year, I could see the Bucks trying to move on from him. I'm trying to think, though, of teams who would be willing to take a chance on a QB like him. Well, he'll be a free agent because it's a lame duck year. I mean, if, if the Bucks don't want to sign him, he'll be open market guy. That's so, true. Who would be know. who would be willing to sign him, though, is the question. I think the Bears are interesting because they could, could need a backup. But if you look at starting quarterbacks, wouldn't it be funny if Mariota tanked and they brought him into Nashville, uh, the Titans or something like that? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's yeah, all those. I, I feel like every year I'm expecting Mariota to break out and have the year everyone thought he would. And it just seems like he – I don't know. He's very vanilla. 
I don't know. So do I could see. Do you think he'll be, think he'll be here next year, a year from now? Uh, no, I don't. E- even if he has a, a pretty good year, I just think all the baggage. I, I could see them wanting to clean house and start over. Roy Cummings, what do you, what do you see Jameis Winston a year from now? He'll be in Tampa. He'll be the starting quarterback. Uh, there's nothing wrong with Jameis Winston as a football player. He's a darn good one, one of the best young quarterbacks in the history of the game. Uh, take a look at the numbers he's put up. Compare him to uh, compare him to any. Take your pick of any quarterback in the history. Uh, the, the numbers are are really astonishing. What he's done compared to uh, uh, Hall of Famers. I mean, but isn't that and, misleading? Just the way offenses are played. No, no, no not misleading. Uh, Jameis Winston is not the problem with this football team. This football team's biggest problem. I, I, again, I think people have forgotten the fact that the Buccaneers have one of the most potent offenses in the NFL. Jameis Winston is the guy leading that offense. Um, yes, he throws the ball away a lot uh, on picks, and that's the people, people think everybody's upset about. Um, the reason that happens, and, and again, uh, this is coming from the new coach, Bruce Arians, and I think anybody who's watched the Buccaneers knows when you're, when you're down by three scores uh, in the third quarter, you have to throw the ball. And, and when you're playing in a, in a downfield passing scheme where you're not just dumping it off uh, five yards downfield, you're going to throw more interceptions than, uh, th- than other teams that, that play a, a more conservative kind of passing attack. Um, so James Winston has not been helped by the team around him very much. He is not the problem here. He is, he is part of the solution. Um, think of what happens to this football team if they decide, okay, that's it. We're done with Jameis Winston. We're going to start all over again with quarterback X, Y, or Z. Now, even if it's, you know, even if they tank for Tua, you know, there's no guarantee that 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 kid's going to come in out of Alabama and, and light the the NFL on fire and suddenly be the answer. You've got five years invested in this kid. Um, money is not the issue with him. Uh, what he does on the football field is really not the issue with him. Uh, give him a lead and let him uh, run the offense the way it's designed to be run. Uh, and I think you'll have yet another Pro Bowl caliber player uh, on your hands there. So I think he's going to be in Tampa. He is not the problem with this team right now. The problems are primarily on defense uh, in front of him and behind him at running back. So um, that's what I would say. He'll be in Tampa. But Roy, you just said that you think the Bucks will win five games. So it's not like they'll have much of a lead for Jameis to play great. No, they won't. I, look, I, again, that's not his fault. He can't go out and stop the other team from, from scoring points. Now, he can help them not score points by not throwing the ball away. But in order for that to happen, the Bucks have to run their offense. They have to be able to run the ball at least as often as they throw it, if not more. They have to have leads where they can run it conservatively. They have to be able to finish teams off in the fourth quarter, not have teams come back and rally against them. I'm telling you right now, for four years, Jameis Winston is not the problem with this football team. The problem is that they're always behind and that he's got to bring them back. He's got to bring them back. When you play from behind, it's on one player to bring the whole team behind, the quarterback. And that's where Jameis Winston has been stuck for four years, trying to play catch-up all the time. And that is hard for any team to do. You know, if something ever happens to me, Justin, and it won't, but I'm just doing <laughs> hypothetical and I get in trouble with the law, I want Roy Cummings to defend me. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I want Roy Cummings to be my F. Lee Bailey because I, I love your brother, but 
But boy, Jameis Winston, I, I get it. Here's here's my thing. Jameis Winston, I have more problems really with him off the field and all that stuff, you know, the stuff that he's done and it's been knucklehead, bonehead stuff. But here's the thing with Jameis. Jameis is lucky as hell. You know why? Because Bruce Arians won't let him go after a year. Bruce Arians will get him to do certain things that will make him better. And I can't wait to see him yell at him because not that I can't wait to see it, but we will see it. We'll see all of it. We'll see the whole Bruce Arians platter, but Bruce Arians is not going to be one and done with Jameis Winston. Why? Because he can't be. He can't be one and done with Jameis Winston. He's invested too much into Jameis Winston. Now, I'm not saying uh, Jameis Winston deserves it, but I will say this. Jameis Winston will do enough right to stick around for another year because of the things we talked about, because of the lack of a running game, because of questions at offensive line, and my God, that defense is going to be a mess, I predict, with the young secondary and all those holes with the defensive line. So I think I agree with you, Roy, but for different reasons, because I think the Arians factor is the best thing that ever happened in Jameis Winston's career. We'll see how much better it makes him, but from a stability standpoint, it's going to buy him some years here. I definitely think he'll be back, but it's not because Jameis is this great player. It's because Bruce Arians believes in him and wants to make him better. No, I agree with you. I think you're right. And, and, and that is a big part of it. Um, I was going to make that point, um, but, uh, uh, got sidetracked a little bit uh, with, with my argument about the, how he plays on the field and the reason, you know, the the, the, the one problem everybody has about Jameis Winston as a football player, not, I'm not t- talking about what goes on off the field, is that he throws too many interceptions. The reason he throws too many interceptions, and Bruce Arians has said it before, is because we're always playing down, we're always down by 20, and he's yeah. going to throw it downfield in this scheme. When you throw downfield and you're down by 20, guess what? You can drop a bunch of people back into coverage, and it gets harder to make those pick, make those passes, and you've got to be absolutely 100% precise, and everybody's got to do everything right in, for, in order for it to work. One guy does one thing wrong, and it's not always the quarterback. It ends up in a pick, and that's what James Winston's had to deal with for four years here. All right, now that I got you fired up, it's time for the third more likely, and your head may explode on this one. Uh, you know what? Your head, you may actually finally succumb to this because it's almost like the guy on Jeopardy who can't be dethroned. Elton John, in the eyes of Justin Thomas, especially Roy Cummings, is not going to be dethroned. Uh, we, we threw Billy Joel at you. We threw Phil Collins at you. We threw John Mellencamp, and heaven forbid we threw Peter Gabriel. Elton John's still the best. Now, I'm bringing a ringer from the bullpen out now, okay? One of my favorite guys. And I'm going to let Justin Thomas go first while Roy Cummings kind of calms down there a little bit before <laughs> he's going to heat back up in a second. All right. Elton John has beaten everybody I talked about, but if I bring in Stevie Wonder, does Elton John beat Stevie Wonder? Oh, man. Whoo, that's tough. You and I talked about this earlier today, about who are we going to bring in, and I even thought about Don Henley. Uh, I can't. I don't want Roy to say anything yet, but I thought Don Henley might be a decent one because you know you give him credit with all the Eagles stuff. No, no, was, no. It's better than good prize. But Stevie Wonder is a whole different animal, man. That's like uh, that's 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 a bull rush here a little bit. I agree. I, I almost feel like for me, it's a coin toss, or or kind of it depends on what mood I am any given day. I I really like them both equally. If I had a pick, though, uh, I probably would say Stevie Wonder. Okay. Roy Cummings. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. (laughs) Well, you know what? uh, 
It, it is. It's a coin toss. Oh, um, really? It's, it's, that's a that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Um, I guess I would have to go. I'll, I'll judge it by this. On my iPhone right now, I have more Elton John songs, and I'm not. I'm not some. I don't. I don't. I don't think Elton John is, you know, like a, a rock god. Although I guess he probably is. Um, I mean, I've never really thought about it that way. I mean, he's, he's damn good. He's as good as there is. Um, not a Beatle, but um, you know, <laughs> I know better than to bring those guys on the table. Right. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's the next level down. Um, certainly better than Don Henley. Don Henley had way too much help uh, with the Eagles. I put that um, on a tee for you, by the way, but keep going. Yeah, yeah you did. Um, yeah. But but again, uh, but Stevie Wonder, that that's a tough one. But I've got, I'll say this. I probably have more Elton John songs, a couple more Elton John songs on my iPod or iPad or iPhone or whatever it is um, than I have Stevie Wonder. So I, I guess I'll – I don't feel that good about it, but I guess I'll take Elton John over Stevie Wonder. But, man, oh, I don't necessarily feel good oh, about it. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel good about it. That's an overtime thriller. Stevie Wonder, to me, is, is arguably my favorite. And he's definitely a guy that I would want to see in concert more than anybody because, you know, I don't know how much longer we're going to have Stevie Wonder, unfortunately. And he's one of those guys I've always wanted to see. Whenever anything is on the radio, Stevie Wonder, for the most part, I'll stop and listen to it. I think he's phenomenal. I think his range is unbelievable. And the fact that that guy, as old as he is, is still touring. I mean, you can say that about a lot of guys like McCartney and the Stones and whatever. But Stevie Wonder, to me um, – I'm just not a huge Elton John guy. I put Billy Joel ahead of Elton John. Uh, Roy Cummings is going to roll his eyes. I'd put Phil Collins above Elton John. I like Phil Collins. And I definitely put Stevie Wonder. So I guess I just got to keep trying. I got to keep trying. The fact that you put Billy Joel and and, and (laughs) Phil Collins ahead of Elton John kind of hurts your your Stevie Wonder argument there. Um, But but I see where you're coming from. Look, I – I, I can't argue with Justin at all. I, I can't argue with anybody that would say uh, they take Stevie Wonder over Elton John. I, you know, ask me tomorrow, and I probably I might do the same thing. Um, right. My Sharia Moore, I think, is uh, if you were to ask me who had the better best song, I, I think uh, I think my Sharia Moore is probably Stevie Wonder's best. For me, that's that's his best song. Um, you know, is it, is it is as good or better than? Someone saved my life tonight, which I think is Elton John's best song. Well, I don't know, man. Again, it's I'm not turning either one of them off on on the radio. I'm not, you know, I'm not punching a button, changing channels. I, I'll say this: um, There's a song called "Do I Do" by Stevie Wonder. It's always been my favorite song. It's 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 it's, it's a long. You know, it's a lot of these Stevie Wonder songs are long too. They're long yeah. songs, but. I just say, do I do, if you haven't heard it, Peter Pirate Nation, a few extra bucks nation, download Do I Do. It's one of the best songs ever. One of my favorites. Well, Elton John is still hanging in there, but uh, he was one and two this week, which is a far cry from the uh, you know two and one that he's been for a lot of weeks because you know I got bombarded with the Billy Joel. Billy Joel to Elton John may be the best argument, though. I think a lot of people go back and forth on that. But anyway, well, listen, we appreciate you logging on and uh, listening to us. Uh, we're going to be with you the whole offseason for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Covered a lot of ground in this podcast, and we're going to have the veterans reporting pretty soon and more plots with uh, Jameis and Bruce Arians, who will always keep things interesting. You can check us out on Podbeans, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and Google+. For Elton John lover Roy Cummings, 
and Stevie Wonder brother, Justin Thomas. I am really Mike Neighbors. We'll talk to you very soon. We appreciate you logging on.